boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. How, 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 how. How, 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 how. What up, world? Welcome to another episode of the RJ Ochoa Show. I am your humble host, RJ Ochoa, and here on the RJ Ochoa, if you're just joining us, we are a weekly NFL podcast where we talk about what's going on in the wide world of the National Football League. I am a staff writer for InsideTheStar.com, your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis across the whole internet. That's right, the whole thing. I am also the host of Ocho Live, the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option, which can be watched on my own personal Periscope page or the Inside the Star Facebook Live feed. The RJ Ocho is presented to you by Slant Sports Audibles, and we are here to have a good time and talk about food, family, fun, football and friendship which is a shout out to paul big brother season 18's runner-up which made me pretty sad if i'm being totally honest but friendship involves those closest to you and i have brought on someone close to me to help dive into week three of the 2016 nfl season my great pal jimmy jow sethna rj osho alum jimmy what is going on my dude not much, man. I uh, I looked up what the uh, term is for the different levels of like turkeys and stuff, because like your third strike in bowling is the turkey. And I know last time we talked about like my fourth and fifth appearance, it's just different colored turkeys after the first one. So like it's kind of upsetting. So you're wait. So, so to you know catch people up if they're just listening to your uh, your vocal cords for the first time. This is what your sixth time on the RJO show, I think. I think so. And so in bowling uh three strikes is called a turkey right that's right. Where, that's where this started so fourth strike or fourth in a row this is in a row obviously fourth strike is what like a red turkey and then a blue turkey something like that something like that and i'm i'm kind of upset by that i don't know i figured it'd be a different animal or a different term well, what if we it's upsetting we should we should name it things you know, I feel like obviously turkey is synonymous with Thanksgiving. Like when when else do you eat turkey? Maybe Christmas. Christmas, no, no. yeah. But like it's still it's not as synonymous. So like we could go, you know, like the fourth obviously third strike is turkey. Fourth could be stuffing, for example. And then maybe like a ham. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or By the way, or something. So I'm a very picky eater. You know this, you know, we've talked a right. lot and I this is total truth. Just ate stuffing like at thanksgiving for the first time last year like thanksgiving 2015 was the first time that i ever had stuffing it was so what did you think of it well so because i'm a picky eater i look at things and i'm just like oh that looks gross you know i can't handle it or whatever and my mom and my girlfriend you know my family they they all sort of are used to it and numb to it at this point and um i just looked at it and for some reason it looked appealing i said hey what's what's that you know what What's that thing? You know, I you never saw it before. I, I guess what? I just like assumed it was bad, and they were like, "Oh, that's stuffing." But I'm I'm Mexican American, so it's called relleno where I'm from, and uh, you know that's what it does that, sound gross. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it does, and so they would say, "Oh, that's the relleno," and I was like, "Oh, what?" And they were like, "Oh, that's the stuffing," and I said, "Oh, okay. Well, what's in it?" And they said it was, I'm a big bread fan. I love rolls and all types of, of bread. And they said, it's bread and it's it's turkey and it's, you know, the vegetables are what looked gross. You know, I feel like the color orange is not attractive in food. And so if you've got bits of carrot or something in there, it just doesn't look great to me. Does that make sense? 
Uh, I feel like if it's a natural orange, yes. But if it's like a popsicle or a sweet, exactly, like if it's candy, whatever. Orange is usually one of the best flavors. And that, but that's how but. like like you can kind of imagine stuffing. That's how like the little slices or chunks of carrot looked in it. And so, I, but I don't think there were that many carrots. So I, and I sort of sectioned off a piece that didn't have any. And I took a bite, and it was incredible. Um, you know, I was um, I was pretty. Um, I enjoyed it. If I'm being totally honest. So is the sixth appearance on your podcast officially the stuffing episode? Um, you know, let's call your seventh appearance the stuffing because uh, my dad's best friend, David, is obsessed with the number seven. So the, to make it important, we'll call number seven the stuffing episode. It should be noted, by the way, for the RJO Show listeners, that Jimmy is going to be appearing on here as much as he can following Thursday Night Football he and I will recap the game that, that we just saw and we'll preview all of week the upcoming week's storylines, maybe toss in a little bit of fantasy jargon or whatever. Jimmy and I are, uh, are two-tenths, 20% of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, our primary fantasy football league, where Jimmy is 0 and 2. I'm sorry, James. I'm making a comeback, though. Well, I feel really good about this week. Well, so here's the thing. Your fantasy football name in our league is Brock and Roll. And, you know, not anymore. That's going to change. Well, we just, you know, we just said that you'd be on to talk about Thursday night football. And you're a Houston Texans fan. You're the official Houston Texans correspondent of the RJO show. And Brock, obviously coming from Brock Osweiler. And let's do what we said we were going to do when Jimmy's on the RJO show. And that's talk about Thursday night football. And uh, this week's game, week, uh, week three, featured the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots. The Patriots rocking those, I think, the best color rush uniforms we've seen so far of all of them. I thought they were fantastic. The Houston Texans were also dressed in their color rush uniforms, an, an all-white look, which was a little bit weird. Um, you know, Jimmy, I've been watching The Night Of on HBO. I'm not done yet, so don't, uh, don't ruin this for me. But at one point, um, Nas, the main character, is encouraged to wear white for his hearing or arraignment or whatever or trial or whatever it is. And I think it's because white conveys innocence, if you will. There's a psychological effect to that. And there was no innocence to be had here. The, uh, if anything, the white signified the color of a lamb being brought to slaughter. Uh, the New England Patriots just completely and totally dismantling the Texans 27 to nothing. Now, as the official Houston Texans correspondent of the RJO show... How how are you feeling? Well, white's the color of the flags they wave in battle to show they're surrendering, right? That's also true, yeah. And I hate to be that guy, but I have to correct you here. You called the Texans white jersey and pants. You called it a uniform. It's more of a costume. Okay. I just saw a bunch of guys playing dress up oh. as NFL players on thursday night that's what i saw personally it was this was embarrassing and you know i, I say that out of love honestly um this was i mean it, you know i think you look at this game and it was more than anything it was an indication at how great bill belichick is that with jacoby Brissett, who made his first start ever in his life a third round rookie who went 11 of 19 for 103 yards with that performance, which is not a knock on, on Jacoby, but the, the 
Patriots were able to win 27 to nothing. I mean, the Texans looked demoralized in in this game. They looked defeated um, very early on, it felt like. Obviously, the Texans didn't catch any breaks, didn't do a lot to help themselves, had two fumbles on uh, on returns. Last year's hard knock standout, Charles James, and then this year's rookie, Tyler Irvin, who a lot of people really like, myself included. They just... They just kept shooting themselves in the foot and, and, and not doing anything to make them look great. Yeah, this game was horrible. If if this was a cage match in professional wrestling between the – it's really a, a battle of schemes between Bill O'Brien and uh, Bill Belichick. That's what this game came down to. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're hyping yourself up for this brutal, nasty cage match, as soon as Bill O'Brien's entrance music came on – the, the match was over. Yeah, it was, it was. It was weak. So overmatched. It was so brutal. We looked confused. We looked lost. And I think a lot of coaches, when they're going against uh, the Patriots and Bill Belichick, they overthink things. They think the Patriots are so good. They know what we do. They know what we are. We have to come up with something new to catch them off guard. Yeah, and you just and you beat yourself at that point. Yeah, and I mean a lot of runs from the shotgun formation or from the pistol formation, which pistol formation, the Texans don't really run a whole lot. That seemed to be the bulk of uh, play calls they had were out of the pistol, and it made no sense. Uh, It's a short week. You're implementing something entirely new. You're trying to be too cute with your game plan, and it completely backfired in every single facet of the game. It was... um... It was it was rough, honestly, to watch, and it was an impressive performance by the Patriots on a short week with a rookie quarterback against a team that not only had a lot of hype, but they had justified that hype through two weeks of the season. The Texans were looking like one of the AFC's top contenders, and you and I had been talking all week about, you know, what if the Patriots lose or the the Texans, excuse me, lose this game? What does it say about them? Does it sort of, you know? kill that hype and we had had this discussion when Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be quarterbacking and, and you said after Jimmy beat the Cardinals you immediately you text me said I'm not that worried about this game because if we lose Jimmy's obviously a legitimate quarterback it it's not an embarrassment to lose to him because he's great that that pressure that spotlight was completely and totally exponentially magnified when Jimmy went down last week against the Dolphins to set up the Jacoby Brissett game and it would have been one thing. It would have been one level of embarrassing or whatever if the Texans had just lost a normal football game. But to just get completely and totally destroyed like this, um, it, it's it's got to – it's, you know, right now I think it's justifiable to say the Texans are all hype. Yeah, one of the most annoying parts about the game was that the third-string rookie didn't have to beat us. We beat ourselves. Two fumbled kickoffs. Yep that were turnovers is ridiculous. We didn't get the ball in the second half until there was about five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Well, the Texans didn't even cross midfield until there was a minute and a half left in the third quarter. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm not saying the defense played well or even average at all. They played horribly, but when you fumble two kickoff returns, the opposing team only has 20 yards to go to score. Yeah. I mean, you're, automatically you're just setting yourself up for failure when that happens multiple times in a single game no it it um it was a dismantling 
Uh, it was just an incredible performance by by Bill, Bel- by Bill Belichick. Not necessarily like you're saying doing anything complicated, but just just you know being cool, playing his game. They, they find ways to win. However it is, whether it's complicated or, or simple or routine or standard or out of the box, that's what makes the Patriots great. They're 3-0 and in games without Tom Brady. They get to host the Buffalo Bills next week. I have a hard time imagining that they'll drop that game. Brady will come back and be given a 4-0 and head start on the rest of the field, and that's just amazing. Isn't it ironic that the NFL took away the first-round pick of the Patriots because of the deflate gate scandal yeah and tom brady's suspended for four games you would think they'd be zero and four at best you gotta imagine <laughs> patriots fans were saying we'll be maybe two and two when we get brady back no they're they're probably gonna be tied for first or alone in first in the afc i don't believe that that roger goodell has like a personal vendetta against brady i just i don't believe that or anything but if he did he has just got to be irate. You know, if Roger Goodell really was all, you know, I'll show them kind of kind of guy, you know. Not even Brady, just the organization yeah. as a whole. I mean, everyone, it, Robert Kraft, yeah. if Bill he, Belichick, if anyone. He, if he really did have it out for the Patriots, like, okay, I'm I'm going to punish them. They'll see, you know, you know, they'll they'll be upset. They'll have to go through some hardship. I mean, if anything, this is all this is doing is is magnifying how great Bill Belichick is. And and Josh McDaniels is going to be a head coach next season. Absolutely. He's going to get a second shot. And Matt Patricia is going to be mentioned for a lot of those gigs. I mean, it's just been an incredible three-week run for that organization and that coaching staff. Well, on the flip side of that, the Texans coaching staff, what does this tell you about them? This game was an absolute embarrassment. I think what it, it tells me about them is, they're not on that level. They're nowhere close. You know, they're 27 to nothing away from that coaching staff. And that's not necessarily saying the Texans coaching staff is garbage. That's just saying that's how insanely great the Patriots coaching staff is. And I think the Texans, this, this in many ways was a lose-lose for them. Because if they, lo- if they won this game, it was, oh, okay, you beat Jacoby Brissett, whatever. But losing it in general would have been, oh, man, you lost to Jacoby Brissett. Man, that's embarrassing. But to lose it like this was a gear that we didn't know the fallout could reach. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for for the Texans and, and for my friend Jimmy, which is you, that this game happened on a Thursday, so you have longer than usual to sit and stew on it. Longer than usual. It's a national game. Um, it's been the kind of M.O. of the Texans forever i feel like they're always a little bit hyped they're always on the verge of making that big breakthrough this was a chance to and again uh, totally completely lose lose chance because all all the chance really existed was to be exposed not to prove anything and my oh my were they uh were they exposed but hey that's how the nfl works the texans seem to suck and i'm sorry jimmy you'll be okay i completely agree i'm not even offended at this point (laughs) right now just from what I saw on third and eight, you're running run plays up the middle. It's why did you get your quarterback? Look, look Brock Osweiler is supposed to be the guy. Jimmy, I'm I'm gonna just put you out of your misery. Right? Enough, enough Texans. Pa- 27 nothing. The Patriots three and zero, continuing to be incredible. The Texans back in the cellar. It seems at least for a week and a half. Um, Shane Leckler looked good though. Our punter, uh, yeah, <laughs> great. Great performance. He, he gets the game ball. 
for good, the Texans. Good yeah. job, good job, Shane. You uh, you did it. You carried yeah. your team. Let's move on, Jimmy. Week three yeah. is upon us. I think it's amazing. You know, we spent all off season saying, "Man, I can't wait for football." You know, I miss it like crazy. You know, I need games to watch. In the blink of an eye, my team. You know, most of the league is only two weeks through. You've already seen three of your team's games. That's crazy that you know it's just completely flown by and uh makes me a little sad um but you know we're already officially in fall um according to the calendar which is a good thing so now we're totally and completely in football season so let's start with the first game of week three on this schedule the arizona cardinals at the buffalo bills and rex ryan and his group are coming off of last week's thursday night football embarrassment and you know the Cardinals seem to have regained some of their form last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I don't think this is complicated. I don't think we have to say a whole lot about this game. I think the Cardinals are going to win this game very easily. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, the Bills just look horrible. Speaking of bad coaching, Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan, they're, they're not making it work. No. I don't see them being on the Bills staff next year. No, and Sammy Watkins, very unlikely to play. So you're going to have Patrick Peterson on Robert Woods. That's how that's how horrible of a situation this is for the Bills. Uh, I don't see – I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills put up under 150 yards of total offense just because they have no great weapons on the outside up against what is one of the top defenses in the NFL. And then on the other side of the ball, the Cardinals offense just seems to be able to do whatever they want against people. And I have a question. You know, I'll ask Jimmy because – you're the person on the other end of this this uh, you know conversation, right? Um, David Johnson, right? David Johnson is playing incredible, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment here. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily you know an evaluation A against B in a vacuum. But is David Johnson better than Todd Gurley? Because I think that right now, especially with Marshawn Lynch gone, that David Johnson is the premier running back of that division, a division that very knowingly likes to run the football. I don't feel comfortable saying that David Johnson went into a perfect system with an excellent coach, a very good quarterback, great receivers, and a great defense. That's a recipe for a young running back. Well, yeah, to and, that, and that's why I'm saying, like, I think, you know, you would take Todd Gurley over David Johnson 100 times out of 100 in a draft. But, I mean, and, and maybe I'm I'm looking down the road to the future. I think that David Johnson has a really great chance to have a better career than Todd Gurley does just because you're right he's he's got the you know talent around him and all the other important positions to help him succeed whereas Todd Gurley is the man like, my point is is that if I'm Todd Gurley and you're David Johnson and we're talking I'm saying dude I hate you I'm so jealous you know my life is miserable your life is awesome it's going to be interesting to see if Todd Gurley accepts the second contract in LA they may pay him more money he may have that LA spotlight but if I'm him Personally, I kind of have to weigh that against how successful do I want to be. Yeah. Because if Jeff Fisher is your coach, if Case Keenum is your quarterback, if Jared Goff is what we think he'll be based off the limited offseason and uh, preseason games, he may leave. And if he does leave, if the Rams kind of stay around 8-8 eight and eight for the next few years, then maybe you can have a fair comparison right now. Well, I just don't know. You're looking three, four years down the road, and we'll see. But you're right. Between now and then, the Rams will probably have gone eight and eight three to four times. But probably. that's that's the Jeff Fisher way. So we got we both have Cardinals. This is a slam dunk. 
Next game on the docket is a little bit more interesting. The Oakland Raiders at the Tennessee Titans. Both of these teams are one and one. And, you know, I talked about this on Ocho Live the other day. I think that the Raiders are the ultimate flirt in the NFL because, you know, you think that they're into you because they played so well. They even went for it. The two-point conversion last week in New Orleans, or two weeks ago in New Orleans. And then they go home and they lose to the Falcons. And, you know, it's disappointing. It seems like their defense isn't going to be this this impressive thing that we thought with Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin and Sean Smith and all those pieces. But... I think that the Raiders are interesting. It's just hard to trust them, which is what makes them a flirt. And on the other side of things, the Titans, they're they're not interesting, you know, to a great degree yet. But they've got some some pieces there that I think make you, you know, want to turn off the TV less than you did a year ago. And so I think that this is a big game potentially because for the Raiders because if they want to be a playoff team they have to win these winnable games especially after a week where they lost to the Falcons I'm going to take the Raiders here I don't know how you feel though uh well two things number one I am going to go with the Raiders I think they're just built right now to win against the Titans nine out of ten times just all around they're a way better team this is the kind of game they need to win 100% of the time if they plan on being a playoff team and finally, finally breaking through that barrier. It's been such a long drought. And the other thing? Um, Well, yeah, they are a flirt. (laughs) Yeah. The Raiders are the team. You you see that girl at the bar and she's laughing at your jokes even though they're not funny. She's touching your arm all soft-like and you keep on buying her drinks. Then you look down and pay your bar tab and then you look up and she's gone. What happened? That's the Raiders. Oh, it's week 17. Yeah, it's week 17. They're, they're and they're... sitting at 9 and 7 or yeah. whatever. And it's been going on with Tom Cable. It's happened the past couple of years with Jack Del Rio. Hopefully the girl stays around this time. We'll see. I hope so. I think that you know she'll hang out at least this week because the Raiders will go to 2 and 1. So I, I feel yeah, – At least I, give me your number. I feel, I feel confident. I feel confident in that. So, okay, so we're in total unison so far. Game number three here, an NFC East – battle and you know so much is made about when you fall to zero and two only 12 percent of teams that do that make it to the playoffs well you know if you fall to zero and two you try to find some optimism but if you fall to zero and three things can be really really bad for you and and the redskins are zero and two and they're traveling to face the new york giants who are two and zero. and so not only would the redskins be falling to zero and three but they would then be letting the giants be three and zero. And so this game is really interesting. This is the the two teams that the Cowboys have played. So I've watched them both really well, uh, you know, a lot over the the last two weeks. And the Redskins looked to be in a funk last week. Kirk Cousins has not been anything close to what he was in 2015. And I think that the Redskins at least look smart for not giving him a long-term contract, at least to the degree that he wanted. And on the other side of the ball, the Giants, I'm still waiting because I'm terrified of that offense. I'm waiting for it to really catch on. They haven't had a big offensive explosion type of game. I think that in this game, Josh Norman, it's obviously been announced that he's going to shadow Odell Beckham Jr. all day. I think that Sterling Shepard really announces himself to the NFL this week, and I think the Giants take this, and the Redskins are at the cellar of the NFC East where they belong and they always have belonged. What do, I mean, how do, you, how do you see this shaking out? You know, I, I think the Redskins fall to 0-3, and, and it's, it's kind of weird. You always see young quarterbacks or quarterbacks with not a lot of experience. A lot of times, it can kind of take off and look really, really solid 
in their first few games. I mean, you have Matt Flynn, RG3, uh, Vince Young, if you want to go back that far. There's lots of guys that just yeah, guys with, look with no film. Like they have it all. Yeah, no film yeah. That, that enter the league and then people catch up to them and it all sort yeah. of falls apart. You know, they, they get a lot of video on them and then they can see what their tendencies are and then, you know, before you know it, they're uh, – they're useless. They're <laughs> so, going to be a perennial so, backup quarterback. So, and so Kirk Cousins is useless, almost, is what you're saying. He may be. And, you know, you also have to keep in mind, this year, he kind of bet on himself. Yeah, he did. With his contract. Yeah, how much do you think he regrets not taking what the Redskins were offering him? Oh, right now, he feels horrible. <laughs> There's so much pressure on him, and we don't know yet how he will handle that pressure. But so far... After two weeks, it's not looked good. And also, if they lose this game, not only are they 0-3, but they're 0-2 in the division. Mm-hmm. And the Giants are 2-0. and Yeah, so that's so much to catch up with yeah. just it, three weeks into the season. You know, people think that Eli Manning is sort of a lukewarm quarterback. I, I think he's a little bit better than that. But even if you believe that, Kirk Cousins is like a lukewarm version of Eli Manning. And so it... um. It doesn't look good for uh, for old Kirky right now. So we both have the Giants here. Do you think the Giants, do you agree with me, that they sort of take a big step offensively at least this week? I don't know if they'll take a big step or not. Uh, anytime you can try to eliminate a guy's number one receiver, which the Redskins are going to try to do, uh, it takes a special quarterback, which I do think Eli is. But I don't know yet if he can make Sterling Shepard the Victor Cruz of a few years ago and just really become a superstar kind of out of nowhere. We will see. The next we'll game next game on our menu is between another 2-0 and team and an 0-2 team. An 0-2 team that is probably friends with the Raiders, probably rolls in the same circles, same kind of, of flirt. We have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville, in Duval. And so, you know, the, the Jaguars have have a, had a lot of hype you know and they week one probably had the best kind of loss they could to keep that hype alive you know they sort of just added another log to that that fire it was man they lost to the Packers but at least the offense looked good and, and whatever but the Jaguars were embarrassed in San Diego last week and they've got a Ravens team coming in who I think is a little underrated but probably the worst 2-0 and team uh, of the 2-0 and teams now, uh, especially since the Texans are no longer undefeated. And so I think that, like we said about the Raiders, if they want to be taken seriously, they have to win those kind of games. I think if the Jaguars want their hype to get to the next level, then they have to win these kind of games. The, the Ravens are an AFC perennial powerhouse. They have to take them down. And I, I don't, I, But I don't think that they will. I mean, I don't have any reason to believe in the Jaguars, especially after the the egg they laid in San Diego. I, I've got the Ravens here, and I feel really good about it. I think Joe Flacco has a big game um, against the Jaguars. So I actually disagree with you here. I think uh, the Ravens are kind of overrated, even for 2-0. and I don't think that really reflects the team that they are. They were down by 20 points early to the Cleveland Browns. But they, they rallied back. There's something to be said about right. that. Yeah, but you're still rallying back against the Browns. So I think the Jaguars finally take a step forward, and then they can pull out a win here. They're at home. Uh, they know their back is against the wall, and this is an important AFC matchup. So I I think the Jacks pull this out in a close game, Well, but they win. Who has, uh, who has a better day, Allen Robinson or Allen Hearns? 
Uh, well, I have Alan Hearns in my fantasy league, but he hasn't done anything, so he's sitting on my bench at this point. I don't even care. Well, that sounds like somebody whose team just got destroyed by the New England Patriots on Thursday Night Football. So, Ouch. Sorry, Jimmy. We That's will be too soon. We will be right back to talk about the rest of the Week 3 games across the NFL season. Don't go anywhere. Uh, hanging out with Jimmy Josethna, and uh, hopefully you after this break. We'll be right back here on the RJO Show. Cowboys Nation, the 2016 Dallas Cowboys season is reaching its third week, and we want you to hang out with us during it. InsideTheStar.com is your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis around the web. At Inside the Star, we've got game predictions, game analysis, player reviews, anything and everything that you need about the Dallas Cowboys. I even write my bold predictions every single Friday that week that you can be a part of. Check us out on the web, InsideTheStar.com. Follow us on Twitter at InsideTheStarDC or at Cowboys Nation. Like us on Facebook. Just search for Inside the Star or hang out with us on Google+, Snapchat, or Instagram. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show. Welcome back to the RJO Show. My name is RJ Ochoa, your humble host, in case you forgot, or the name of the show did not inform you of that. And we are hanging out here talking about week three of the 2016 NFL season with RJO Show alum approaching his stuffing episode of the RJO Show, Jimmy Jow Sethna. Jimmy, what's going on? You having fun? I am having fun. So if episode seven or appearance seven is the stuffing episode, we never really decided what this one was. Episode six let's, or appearance six. Let's call this turkey with a full plate. You know, you've got turkey and... Oh, not more turkey. RJ, Tur- you got to get away from No, but we're, at, we're adding elements. you got turkey, you got corn, you got mashed potatoes. Uh. Maybe you've got some. I don't think it's shocking that I don't like it. Maybe you've got some gravy, you know, something like that. Uh, it's a turkey. You don't like all gravy or just all gra- like gravy? In general. I don't, all gravy. I don't like gravy at all. Like on chicken fried steak or, um, you know, on mashed potatoes. I'm not a gravy kind of guy. That's un-American almost. Well. That's very odd to me. Well, that's fine. This is the gravy appearance. I'm declaring <laughs> it now. Okay. We'll call, it, gravy we'll call it the gravy appearance. Let's talk about a team who I thought was going to have a gravy type of year and gravy, you know, being like an easy, like a gravy train, uh, the Green Bay Packers. They're one and one coming off their first loss of the season in Minnesota at the hands of all people, Sam Bradford. They are one and one hosting the one and one Detroit Lions who just lost amazingly to the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Lions won in Lambeau last year, really sort of woke a lot of people up. And they almost beat the Packers in Detroit, if not for what many people think is the first Hail Mary in the history of football uh, that Aaron Rodgers threw. You know, we talked about before the break how I thought the Giants still haven't scratched their potential offensively. It doesn't feel like the Packers have either. Uh, I know that Aaron has, has been connecting with Jordy Nelson, but it doesn't feel like they're truly dominating people and sort of getting a chokehold on them with their offensive firepower. It feels like they're just sort of hanging on. And the Lions, you know, the whole thing here is I think the Lions know how to play them well, and I think that they will, although I still think that the Packers are the Packers and they're going to get this thing done. Yeah, I see Green Bay winning this one at home. 
I feel like this is kind of a reincarnation of how people were talking about Tom Brady last year, especially after a bad Kansas City loss. You know, maybe he's getting older. Maybe they don't have it anymore. Just things are starting to fall apart. I don't really believe that. I'm not buying in. I'm riding the Packers gravy train. I think Aaron Rodgers comes out firing and they start to click a little bit more once Jordy finally settles down. Well, my one question here, my one sort of thought, you know, I like to be hypothetical a lot. If the Lions win, that would put the Lions at 2-1, and one, the Packers at 1-2 and two, with losses to Detroit and Minnesota already. We'll see what Minnesota does. We'll talk about that game in a second. But if the Lions win, you know, people forget the Vikings won this division last year. If the Lions win, is this the beginning of a changing of the guard in the NFC North? And I don't mean a changing of the guard in terms of the Lions taking it, but at least it not being completely dominated and overrun by the Green Bay Packers and being more of a crapshoot that the Lions or the Vikings can can also, you know, get to if they get hot at one point or one season. I'm not quite sure. Long term, I think the Packers are still going to be the cream of the crop as long as Aaron Rodgers is their, is their quarterback. And, you know, I'm not I've never been a big Matt Stafford fan. And the way the Vikings have moved towards Sam Bradford, he had a great first game with them. But I'm not ready to buy into that just yet. I don't know what Teddy Bridgewater's future is. I think, you know, even if the Packers lose the division this year, it's still theirs next year. They're my favorite next year already. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, good news is you'll be back next week. We can talk about it on your stuffing appearance. And we'll have to come up. Oh, your Ocho <laughs> appearance will be really cool, by the way. But anyway, Denver Broncos, the undefeated reigning world champion, Denver Broncos, quarterbacked by Trevor Simeon in Cincinnati. Cincinnati making its uh, its home opener in week three, which has really got to suck if you're a Bengals fan, that you have to wait three weeks before a home game. The jungle, um, you know, you, you're a big rock guy. Is it? It's not ACDC that sings, Welcome to the Jungle. Who, oh, gosh. Who, RK. Who sings that song? It's Guns N' Roses, okay, that's, my favorite band if, of all time. If that song is not played at every single Cincinnati Bengals home game, they lose, in my opinion, because they have to play it. It makes so much sense. Just so you know, because you know, I watch a lot of football. I know my, my music, especially my rock music. That song is played... At every single NFL game. Well, it, it shouldn't be. It should be patented and only played in Cincinnati at the actual jungle. They should have a literal no. Bengal tiger run out on the field. It would be awesome. What? It, Why deprive the world of that musical joy? Look, anyway, the Bengals are hosting the Broncos. Bengals are 1-1, one one, uh, coming off a loss in Pittsburgh last week. That was sort of, you know, you talk about games that you... You have to win to sort of make your claim that, that you're for real. I think that was one that, that the Bengals dropped. But the Broncos have been hanging in, although, you know, they beat the Panthers. That was impressive. They beat the Colts, which, you know, Colts are kind of garbage, if we're being honest. Now, the Broncos' defense is going to be not at full force as DeMarcus Ware is going to miss this game, although they have a lot of depth, obviously, Shane Ray. I don't think, though, that the Broncos' defense is going to be able to replicate what it's done the first two games this season. And I actually believe that the Bengals are going to take this game and sort of establish themselves again in 2016 as one of the top teams in the AFC. I think they're going to knock the Broncos off, give them their first loss into the Super Bowl, and the Bengals move to 2-1. and one. So I had picked the Bengals to uh, be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl this year. 
With that being said, I think they actually drop this game and fall to one and two against the Broncos. I think their defense, even without DeMarcus Ware, they just apply so much pressure to the Bengals, and that's kind of been their kryptonite, is a strong defensive front where they're getting pressure on the quarterback. So I think the Bengals drop this one, but you, and I think— But you think they'll be okay still on the season? Yeah, I think they'll rebound. Okay. And, you know, I think this is finally the year they win a playoff game. Well, that would be cool. Especially if they play Guns N' Roses at the playoff game. That would be when, awesome. When, when they play when Guns they, N' Roses. Okay, let's move on. Minnesota Vikings. Undefeated Vikings coming off that big win on Sunday Night Football. Obviously losing Adrian Peterson, who on Friday was officially put on IR. He cannot return until Week 11 at the earliest. They are visiting the Carolina Panthers. If you are a Panthers fan or you're a Carolina native listening to the RJO show, our thoughts are with you. We're not going to get into anything political, but just stay safe. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers with uh, with Carolina and, and the residual geographical area. The Panthers, though, coming off a win, their first one of 2016 against the 49ers. And this could have been such a great playoff game last year if the Vikings and Panthers had met up. And Mike Zimmer, to me, you can give him coach of the year already because the guy has lost Teddy Bridgewater. Now he's lost Adrian Peterson. He lost Matt Khalil. They lost Sharif Floyd for a little while. I I mean, I have faith. I have faith that Mike Zimmer is going to still get to the playoffs. I don't think he wins this game, unfortunately. But I think that Mike Zimmer is going to get this thing done for the Minnesota Vikings. I think he's that great of a coach. Uh, but ultimately, I think that Ron Rivera and his, his riverboat ways get it done this specific Sunday. All right. You just opened up a can of worms. I'm not going to let this slide. You are ready to crown them or to crown their coach coach of the year after two weeks. Is that right? I'll, I'll make a, a wager with you right now, James. All right. You know, we will figure out the terms later, but I'll take Mike Zimmer against the field as coach of the year this season. Done. And I'm speaking from experience last year, just, I'm not trying to be a, show my fandom or whatever Texans lost three or four quarterbacks or running back all that stuff no this doesn't guarantee Th- that's, you any kind of that's different to the year it's going to build Belichick let's be real that's different there's a lot of of politics that play into who wins those awards there there truly are and Mike Zimmer is starting to become beloved on a national level and just watch we'll remember the RJO show right. listeners will remind you, James. You can follow Jimmy on Twitter at the Jimmy Jowl. Tell him how wrong he is. But get to the game at hand, Jimmy. Who is winning? I said, even even though I've got Mike Zimmer, not even penciled, cemented in as my 2016 coach of the year. I do think that the Panthers get this win, but I think it's a lot closer than uh, than we probably expect it to be. I think the Panthers' defense destroys Sam Bradford. <laughs> I just think it's going to be bad. Yeah, he looked good week one, or week two for the Vikings getting that very important win, but I think he falls back down to earth. I don't believe in Sam Bradford at all. They lose. Mike Zimmer loses. He loses everything. I win money. You still haven't paid me on our last seven bets, by the way. Look, that's, just, that's, you know, a, that's moot at this point. Twitter uh, people, bring that up to him. Anyway. Hashtag paid Jimmy. Anyway. Um, let's move on to a game that if we're talking about paying and payments, I don't, I don't know if I would ever pay to watch this game. Like, even if you were like, RJ, it costs you, or to go to this game, it costs $3 to go. I don't think I would. The Los Angeles Rams visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I think I would have been shocked if you would have told me that both of these teams would already have a win in week three, which is really mean to say, but you know, the Rams are the Rams. And so I wouldn't have counted on them having a win. The Bucks um, probably aren't cool enough to roll in the same social circles as the Raiders and the Jaguars. They're like the, the flirty friend that wants to hang out with that click. You know what I mean? Because the Bucks have been sort of flirtatious on Friday, though they did wave Austin Safarian Jenkins after his DUI um, situation that he had going on there. And, and I still believe in the Bucks' offense for what it's worth. Mike Evans is leading the NFL in targets. He's incredible. And I think that even though the Rams have a defense that was able to beat the Seahawks with nine points, I don't think that they're able to do it again on the road. I think the Bucks get this done. But I'm going to be actually so annoyed, so much more annoyed at Jeff Fisher if the Rams get handled in this game because it will prove that last week was all about the Seahawks are coming in we have to beat them in our house and you know that the Rams are, are willing and happy to go 2-14 and 14, as long as both of those wins are against the Seahawks I hate the Rams I hate Jeff Fisher uh, Hard Knocks did a great job of confirming why I hate Jeff Fisher everything about him his coaching style his personality I'm so bored I hate him as a head coach. Um, I see the Bucks, you know, destroying them. The Rams had their nice win against Seattle. And then once again, I expect them to not score a touchdown on offense. And I expect them to lose really badly. And, you know, I don't know how they trade up and trade so many assets to get the number one overall pick to get their quarterback and not even play him. If you're a Rams fan, which uh, you've only been a Rams fan for a few months, uh, I don't know how you deal with it. It makes zero sense to me. The entire organization, nothing they're doing right now makes sense. Give me an actual, give me an actual score prediction. I haven't asked for that any of these games. Give me a score prediction. Bucks at. Yeah, by the way, the Bucks Stadium on Twitter, their handle is RJ Stadium. Like it's at RJ Stadium. So basically, my house is where the Buccaneers play. Isn't that like one of the most decrepit stadiums in the NFL right now? They have a pirate ship, and that's all that matters, Jimmy. So okay, so, with like termites and stuff. Score well, prediction. My score prediction. Uh, I want to go like twenty-seven to six. Wow. I don't think the Rams score a touchdown again. This week. So you think they go three yeah. full three weeks. games with no touchdowns? I think they go. What is it? Twenty-three years without <laughs> touchdowns? Yeah, in, in, in Los Angeles. That's right. Okay, let's move on. The other, uh, you know, we already talked Cardinals, Rams, the other two NFC West teams, San Francisco 49ers are visiting the Seattle Seahawks in a battle of one and one teams. I think the Seahawks, I don't want to say I'm worried about them, but the Seahawks have not looked like themselves this season. They struggled to win against the Miami Dolphins. It took a late second comeback you know, victory to get it done. They lost to the Rams. Actually, losing to the Rams to me was more indicative of, of who the Seahawks have been than beating the Dolphins because they've lost to the Rams before. You know, that's just, you know, something they struggle with for whatever weird Jeff Fisher magic reason. And so I'm not saying that the Seahawks are going to lose this game. I think that they're going to win. But I believe that the 49ers are, or the, the Seahawks, I should say, are favored by something like nine and a half. I would absolutely take San Francisco to cover that because I don't think that Seattle gets it done that handily. I think they win, but I think it's a lot closer than the spread would have people believing. You know, Russell Wilson had that high ankle sprain, and it definitely hurt him last week against the Rams. 
I think another week removed from that, he feels a little bit better. He's able to run a little bit more and really spread that defense out. I do not think the 49ers are a good team. I actually thought the Rams would beat them week one. Uh, So I think Seahawks take a commanding lead early in this game and they hold on and they win, you know, something like 24 to 13. So you do think they cover the Seahawks? Yeah, barely. 24 to 13 is not, that's not barely covering. That's two points. That's a point and a half. It would be cool if you could do math. But that's fine. I thought you said it was a nine and a half point. Whatever. Just whatever. <laughs> Let's move on. Well, we'll move on after the break, Jimmy. We'll give you a chance to do some Googling how to add. And, uh, you know, we'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. We're, we're, we're coming back to discuss the final games of week three in the 2016 NFL season here on the RJO Show with Jimmy Jossethna. We'll be right back. What up, world? Are you looking for a place to hang out every single day and talk about the NFL or the Dallas Cowboys? How about after every single Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night football game? Look no further than Ocho Live. Ocho Live is my daily streaming option where we hang out on my own personal Periscope page or the Inside the Star or Slant Sports Facebook Live feed. We hang out, we talk about the NFL, what's going on, the latest news, and we do it together. If you know me, then you know that I believe that streaming is the future of media in both the sports and an entertainment landscape, and I want you to be a part of the future with me. So come hang out on Ocho Live every single day as close to 3 p.m. Central Time as we can get, and I promise you that you will have a good time. Let's get back to this week's episode of the RJO Show. You got something I need in this world full of people. There's one killing me. Welcome back to the RJO Show. We are hanging out. We is me, your humble host, RJ Ochoa. Also you, listener, welcome. Have a seat. Hope you've been enjoying this ride. And our guest today on this episode of the RJO Show, my friend, Houston Texans correspondent of the RJO Show, making his gravy appearance on the RJO Show. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jimmy Jow. Jimmy Jow, Seth. Now, Jimmy, are you ready to finish this thing strong? Yeah, man. Let's keep going. Let's do it, right? I mean, what else do you have to do? Nothing. Think about gravy. <laughs> well, I still don't know how you don't like it, but whatever. So, you know, briefly, white or brown gravy? Which one should I try I, first? I prefer white. What's the, I like it a lot more. What's the best thing uh, to eat it with? Because, like, you know, and for the non-Texas listeners, I apologize, but, like, Whataburger serves gravy when you order, like, chicken strips there, like, with the toast and the fries. Is that, like, the best thing to eat it with, or is there something else that's better? You know, biscuits and gravy is really popular. Uh, I love the Whataburger chicken strips and their toast with it. You mean the, the thing that I literally just mentioned? No, yeah, but I'm just saying I also <laughs> love it because it's wonderful. And just shout-out to Whataburger. Uh, you know, if you want to sponsor the RJO show, whatever, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's great chicken fried steak, chicken fried chicken, which sounds like a really stupid name. I feel dumb when I order chicken fried chicken. I totally get you. I'm 100% Why not fried you. chicken with gravy? Yeah, I agree. But, and then, but then fried chicken is also its own thing. Yeah, I mean, that's different from chicken fried chicken. Okay, so, so is chicken fried chicken double the chicken? What's it mean? I mean? Look, I'm with you. We have, you know, we'll do this next week on your stuffing episode when we analyze week four. We'll come up with a better name for chicken fried chicken that gives us a week to digest, no pun intended, and, uh, you know, see what we can do. 
Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Okay. Let's talk football. I'll be ready. New York Jets, one and one, coming off their first win last week on Thursday Night Football. If uh, for some reason, again, it would be impossible, but if you just started listening to this week's episode, Jimmy is a Houston Texans fan, so he hates Thursday Night Football now. The Texans, uh, the Jets, excuse me, getting their first win on uh, week two during Thursday Night Football. Um, against the Buffalo Bills, they will be in Kansas City taking on the one and one Chiefs who just lost to the Houston Texans. Now, I don't want to be hyperbolic, Jimmy, but I think that the Jets could have a top five offense in the NFL. And I think that the Chiefs have a great defense, but I think that that's going to be the key to this game. If you had asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, the Chiefs are going to get this done. This isn't going to be close. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is sort of, I don't want to say living up to his holdout or anything, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing well. And he's playing with the understanding that he has Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker and Matt Forte and Quincy Inunua and, you know, everything and anything that's going on in the New York Jets offense. I think that the Jets are going to beat the Chiefs, and I think they're going to do it handily. I think the Jets will win as well. Uh, I I can buy into the Jets having a top five offense yardage-wise, but, you know, knowing Ryan Fitzpatrick – uh, knowing the kind of quarterback that he is, he's been in the NFL such a long time. People don't change too drastically this late in their career. I still expect a lot of turnovers from the Jets. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're a playoff team or not, even with a very high-powered offense right now. But I see them winning in Kansas City in a very close defensive battle, maybe a, a 17-13 kind of game. Yeah, well... It- you know, it is going to be a defensive battle, I think, or, or one that the Chiefs are up against. And obviously, an offense is up against defense, but it's looking doubtful that Jamal Charles is going to play. Alex Smith is going to have to carry the Chiefs, and I just don't think he can do that because the Jets have what I think is indisputably the best defensive line in football. And they are going to feast on Alex Smith and Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West. And I just, I like Alex Smith. I think he's a great quarterback. I just don't think he has enough to get it done on his own. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. I understand that point of view, but I do think people are starting to realize how to exploit Darrell Revis. Oh yeah, for He's sure. Clearly lost a step. I can see Jeremy Mack. Oh yeah, a big game. burning him. I could, I could totally see that. This, I think that we could be watching a preview of a playoff game. I could see, I could see the Jets sneaking in as a wild card team and maybe having to come back to Kansas City in January, which, which would be really interesting. This is a great uniform matchup, in my opinion. How uh, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but how worried are you for Jamal Charles and his future uh, as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs? If he, you know, he's probably going to miss this game. The first three weeks, this is—I mean, I, I don't want to say that this is the beginning of the end or anything, but I think it's concerning. Yeah, uh, he's getting really old. He's not been healthy for quite a while. Uh, just every year, there's some kind of long injury, and whoever the Chiefs put in at running back, whether it's Shanderick West or uh, Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware, um, you know, they have success and they show flashes, and it it almost seems like you know we don't really need Jamal, Jamal Charles yeah. to have success. No, I think so. I think he's becoming expendable. Uh, thanks I, thanks to his own injury complications and the play of the Chiefs and and how they win. Um, I think they need Jamal less than they ever have across Jamal's whole career. Yeah, I think he's going to be uh, another one of those running backs that hits that 30-year mark and uh, you hit that wall and kind of start to collapse. Moving on, the San Diego Superchargers, who are losing players at 
what feels like the quickest rate of all NFL teams. They are 1-1 one one headed to Indianapolis to take on the winless Colts. Now, I think that the Chargers, Jimmy, are maybe the best 1-1 one one team in the NFL. And I say that not necessarily looking forward, but based on how they've played, based on the way that they've played, you know, they've played seven of the best eight quarters, I think, that any NFL team has played this season. Granted, they are now without Keenan Allen, they're without Danny Woodhead, Antonio Gates is very unlikely going to play. Phillip Rivers, you know, you talk about, obviously, as a Cowboys fan, Tony Romo is, is underrated, undervalued, underappreciated. Phillip Rivers is right up there with him, and he's been asked to do everything, and he pretty much has. And I think he's going to get it done in Indianapolis, I think he's going to destroy the Colts because the Colts have probably the worst secondary in the National Football League, and I think that Phillip Rivers is going to have himself a nice day out in Indy. I kind of agree with you. The Colts, I don't know what's happening with them right now, but they seem like they're collapsing, and it seems like they're going through the same thing they went through last year where you know Chuck Pagano and you feel that front office tension and everything they're doing, everything – they've done to structure this team for this year it's been questioned yeah no and, that was that was such a great story you know the, the team fought for him and and for, and for ryan grigson the general manager it was such a great story but there you know now it's like oh well that's why they should have been fired you know <laughs> it was kind of it was almost shocking when i heard that they re-signed him and the gm jim ursay when it seemed what the stories you were hearing is what you know, Jim Irsay was trying to get Chuck Pagano fired, and, you know, it had a happy resolution, it seemed like, but I, I don't know if the problem is necessarily resolved. And I think that's kind of manifesting itself on the field. I feel so bad for Andrew Luck just because he has one of the worst offensive lines. He has, again, what I believe is the worst secondary in the NFL. He doesn't have a, a dominant wide receiver. I mean, he had Dante Moncrief, who is now going to miss a large stretch of time as well. So he's got two sort of fast, speedy, I don't want to say gadget players, but two sort you know, those those quicker, shiftier wide receivers in T.Y. Hilton and Philip Dorsett. I mean, he has no run game. It's the Andrew Luck show, and if he doesn't play flawlessly, he's probably not going to win. And even if he does, his defense is going to make it very difficult. Yeah, I kind of agree. I'm not I'm not sure what you do if you're Andrew Luck and he just signed that huge huge contract and you would think going into his what is this his fourth year, fifth year? Fifth. So you'd think eventually from the draft and from free agency they'd yeah, that over, have a yeah. solid offensive line. They'd have a a big name receiver or his, or de- a defensive a star. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, pass rushers or a shutdown corner or something, but each year it just seems like Andrew Luck is the one getting them out of each hole that they dig themselves in, and sometimes he digs them into. Well, if uh, if they fall to zero and three, I think you know there some of the the seats in the NFL that are already ridiculously hot. I think Rex Ryan's seat is crazy hot in Buffalo. I think that you could kind of say that. You know, in Atlanta, Dan Quinn, he sort of saved himself, I think, with the win in Oakland last week. But still, I mean, if things don't go right, I think Dan Quinn is up there. I think that Jeff Fisher's seat is ridiculously warm right now. And I think that even though they just signed into an extension, I think that Chuck Pagano, if the Colts fall to 0-3, I mean, things aren't looking good for them. And so 
I uh, I think that we would start to hear murmurs that the team is unhappy, that whatever. Uh, but the best thing about the Colts is Pat McAfee, one of the coolest dudes on Twitter. I love Pat McAfee and his podcast. <laughs> but yeah, His podcast is hilarious. It is. He's is the most relevant punter in NFL history. Not as good as this podcast, though, obviously. Because uh, yeah. you, know, you haven't made your... Distant gra- second. Yeah, yeah. You, you haven't made your gravy appearance on the Pat McAfee show, so... Yeah, he doesn't even return my tweets. Yeah, what a jerk. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah. You know, Pat McAfee's from Pittsburgh. And let's talk about the Steelers. The Steelers are undefeated, and they're hosting the undefeated Eagles. This is a rematch of the old Steagles. If you're an NFL historian like I am, you know the Steagles well. And, um, you know, Carson Wentz has looked great, Jimmy. He's looked phenomenal. He's looked the part of a franchise quarterback, and I think he's going to be that guy. And, you know, what I'm about to say doesn't affect that. But the Steelers have what might be the best offense in the NFL. They certainly have what is the best wide receiver in Antonio Brown. They have a top five quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. They have Le'Veon Bell on ice waiting to come back, you know, from his suspension. And But right now they have what is playing like the best running back in the National Football League, although that's not what D'Angelo Williams is. I don't think that Carson Wentz has the goods to go blow for blow with this offense. And I think this just becomes not, not a track meet, but this just becomes a race that the Eagles can't keep up with. And I think the Steelers put them away sometime in the third quarter. And um, Carson Wentz learns a lesson and, and grows up as an NFL player. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Steelers are just way too good. They have way too much firepower. They've got three or four guys that can just destroy you on offense. And, you know, D'Angelo Williams has been perfect in this kind of setup they have where every year it seems like Le'Veon Bell decides he wants to get himself suspended. You know, there's not a lot asked of him. He doesn't have to carry a huge workload throughout the entire year, all 16 games. He's great in spots, and I think he's great when his legs are fresh. So I think the Steelers run away with this, and I think once they get Le'Veon Bell back, that one-two punch in the backfield is just going to destroy the NFL. I agree. Let's move on. Sunday Night Football. Al, Chris, Michelle, Carrie Underwood singing the theme song. The Dallas Cowboys, their first primetime game of the season. Took till week three for the Cowboys to be playing in a primetime game. Welcoming in the Chicago Bears. One of the meanest things that the NFL has done, actually, is make the national audience watch the Bears twice in the span of seven days. But, oh, well, at least they get to watch Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I think at this point it's fair to wonder aloud whether the Bears are the worst team in the NFL. I think the worst three teams in whatever order are the three Bs. You've got the Bears, the Bills, and the Browns. They're the three worst teams in the NFL. Um, But you've got what is a struggling Cowboys defense, although they – you know, they helped out when they had to last week in Washington. And then you've got this Bears offense who looks like it's going to be quarterbacked by Brian Hoyer. Which of those dams do you think will ultimately break against the other? I think that the Cowboys defense facing Brian Hoyer looks elite. I think (laughs) Brian Hoyer is extremely, extremely mediocre. I'd be content if he was the backup or the third string quarterback on my team. And that's it. I don't want to see him in the starting lineup at all. I don't think he's going to be able to read coverage as well. I think he's going to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. The game plan's going to be poor. I think the defense for the Cowboys has a good game. And I don't think they have a good defense. So that's not really saying too much. This is a great confidence game, I think, for the Cowboys. If if you play it right, if you show up. 
yeah, it'll build them up for one more week. Um, you know, I think Dak Prescott finally scores a couple touchdowns uh, through the air. I can see him, you know, really taking off and taking a big step forward in his fourth appearance in the NFL. I expect the Cowboys to kind of run away with it, maybe 27 to 7. Well, I uh, I officially predicted 27 to 13. It's Dak's third appearance in the NFL. Uh, you're getting ahead of yourself. That's okay. You're Dak's number one fan. And, uh, we already established I can't count well. That's so. true. That's yeah. true. 27-13 uh, is what I think uh, the score is. I think the Cowboys win handily. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and that felt generous, but I think it, it makes sense. But I think you're right, Jimmy. I think that all next week, because it's the Cowboys, because it's Dak and Zeke and these rookie guys that people are, are so anxious to jump onto, I think that the hype for the Cowboys is at an incredibly high level next week, even though it's the Bears. I, I mean, you can you can see that. That's the way the NFL works. I, I think that Dak has a great game. I think that Zeke has a great game. And the Cowboys next week go to San Francisco, who you don't think are a great team either. So that's why I'm saying I, I've been saying for a while I think the Cowboys are going 3-1 and one in this first quarter, and the hype is going to be enormous because you're right I, I think the Cowboys are going to crush the Bears but this has sort of a Texans Jacoby Brissett feel to it if the Cowboys drop this game there is a lot of cause for concern in my opinion but I don't think that'll happen just a word of advice hype is brutal <laughs> well it's brutal that I remember when my team was hyped what a what an old sage sort of piece of wisdom hype is brutal you sound like just yeah. it feels like I'm in Star Wars and you're Yoda or something um but I was thinking more of like a Jeff Fisher phrase. <laughs> uh, wow, that was great. Well, let's uh, let's wrap a bow on this whole thing, Jimmy. Monday Night Football, almost the exact day, um, 10-year anniversary of the Dome coming. And if you haven't watched it, the NFL Network aired this phenomenal episode of the timeline that was all about it, the Saints' rebirth when they reopened the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina on September 25th, 2006. Obviously, the Steve Gleason punt block that the Saints scored on, their first score in that stadium, what is easily the greatest play in New Orleans Saints history. It was a phenomenal episode. I cannot recommend it enough. But, Jimmy, we see a rematch of that, and I don't think that's on accident. It's obviously a very calculated move by the NFL schedule makers to put this game on Monday Night Football when that game happened. Uh, Tony Kornheiser, Mike Tirico, and Joe Theismann were on the call. Now we've got John Gruden and Sean McDonough. Totally different, uh, totally different deal there. But the Falcons come in with a win after beating the Raiders. The Saints are winless. Now, there's a lot to momentum and and sort of weird things happening in sports. And I don't I don't think that the Saints lose this game. You know, with it being essentially the 10-year anniversary of the Dome coming, I think there's just too much electricity in the air. I think that Drew Brees has a game for the ages. I think that Brandon Cooks has, you know, the receiving end of that. I think the Saints just dominate the Falcons from start to finish, and they get their first win of the season. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be an offensive battle. The Saints' defense is so, so bad. And the Falcons' defense isn't much better. Uh, it's going to kind of come down to, as simplistic as this is, I feel like it's going to be Matt Ryan's stats versus Drew Brees' stats. And I feel like Drew Brees is going to win in a very high-scoring game. I think a team breaks 40 this week. Oh, you mean in that, in, in that game? So you think it's yeah, like, in that game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I could see like a 43-37 type of win. Like just yeah, uh, exactly. a, a huge, huge um huge deal if you're playing daily fantasy i'd certainly get brandon cooks um i don't know that i'd buy in on julio jones i think that muhammad sanu is the the falcon that does a lot of scoring i don't know if you agree with that jimmy 
But... Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Well, that's how we should. I'm hoping it's freaking Devonte Freeman. I have him in three of my fantasy football leagues. Well, you know. That might be why I'm not doing well. I think that's the note that we should end your gravy appearance on the RJO show on. Um, you know, Devonta Freeman letting you down. Um, you know, yeah. whatever. He's going to score, score all 37 of those Falcons points. We will see. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, if you want to see our picks, you can join the RJO show, Ocho Live Weekly Pick'em Pool. Jimmy's picks are there. My picks are there. And see if you can, uh, if you can beat us. Jimmy did not pick week one, so you innately have – a large uh, large lead on him but you know maybe you can humiliate him all the more just like his texans were humiliated on thursday night football sorry jimmy why do you have to keep talking about it just let let it die it's okay let it die like my hopes and dreams it's been a great episode of the rjo show we thank you for listening we'll be back next week to recap all of the fun week three magic and storylines we hope that you enjoy it hope you get some great food have some fun enjoy with your family and your friends and as always go cowboys and peace out Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do?